This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. We are Unsportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance here on ESPN Radio, ESPNU. Shout out to all of our friends and teammates at ESPN Cleveland for sending the gear today. We do appreciate it. If you're at ESPN Station, here's our show in the morning. Number one, we appreciate it. Number two, if you want us to display stuff and promote your show, feel free to send us stuff. Smalls is probably going to need the shirt that ESPN Cleveland gave today because yeah. she spilled all over herself in um, typical Michelle Smallman fashion. I'm not even mad about that. I'm mad that I lost half my Celsius. <laughs> well, we will have to find another one for you or send somebody to go get one for you that uh, you spilled everything all over the place and it was uh, it was chaos in here. Yeah. Now, if Celsius just sent you a case, you could go in the control room and pop the top on another one. That would be amazing. We that could keep him here in the studio. There you go. I'm Emergency just Celsius? I'm just saying. I, I have Absolutely. a funny feeling that that may become... Why would that happen? Okay. I think it could all happen. Right. Just saying. I just also saying. need to get my, my computer plugged I'm always trying to sell stuff. I'm just saying. You're always trying I'm just saying, stuff. I'm just saying, keep it in We're mind. doing a radio show. Oh, we are. Um, <laughs> yes. By the way, there was a brawl in the break that we had about this SEC conversation yeah. that Pat Costello brought up. Because, Which is utterly ridiculous, by the way. Yeah, I, I, I literally don't even understand the argument anymore that Pat is trying to bring up. The idea that uh, he's sick of the SEC snobs when... The reality is the SEC is just better than everybody else in college football. Alabama has won a bunch. Nick Saban obviously has won a bunch. Georgia has won. Florida has won. LSU. We forgot Auburn. Let's add Auburn, Auburn to yeah. Cam Newton, Cam. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, the conference is just better than every other conference. How is that even a debate anymore? I don't get it. It's not. Well, it's not. If, if we even just limit it to the CFP era, which is what, you know, the last, what, nine years or so, it's basically just Alabama and Georgia. And then you throw in the one club. It's Nick Saban has just dominated. And so the SEC claims to be this amazing conference, literally on the back of just Nick Saban's dominance. Yeah, but when you look through the NFL rosters, what conference represents the most players in the NFL? I'm going to guess SEC, the SEC. Every single year. Without so, a doubt. And it's every not just Alabama and Georgia. Yeah. It's all of the other teams. So like, I, I literally don't understand what, what the problem is. Like, What would you like to happen, Pat? What is the solution to this problem? No, I'm, I just think that the SEC fans are smug, and I don't like it. Well, I'm not saying that you're wrong, but they, they actually win they more than anybody be. else. I mean, yeah, so last, the last 17 championships, only four of them have been non-SEC schools. So what? Like, how do you want the SEC? I don't know how you want them. If it's what is it, thirteen of seventeen? You just yes. I I need like the Missouris of the world to not mm. be like, oh my god, we're amazing. No, you're not. Well, they they're actually got school. They year. actually got amazing they're when they went to the SEC. They're, That's true. That their happened. recruiting probably increased. Eli Drinkowitz, their head coach, is funny with the Connor Stallions references. He's that really he, funny, right? Like he's got personality. And by uh, by the way, the first year that they made the switch when they were still under Gary Pingle, I believe they were in the SEC championship game. Either that first or second year. So they so, made an impact right So away. another horrible example by Pat there, because Missouri is actually a team that can now brag, but previously could not brag. Yes. Yeah, but I get his point, though, because they are very much the new kids on the block, and it still feels like maybe they shouldn't be banging their uh, chest for the SEC. Right, like, it, like if the Big Ten was what the SEC is and Rutgers was like, yeah, go Big Ten, I'd be like, relax. By the way, that, just got that's here. What, relax, that's Rutgers. Rutgers getting every college basketball player in America know, now. Chris Carlin is paying these kids off. Well <laughs> that's, done. That's it, Michelle. Can the whole, like, if you're a South Carolina fan talking about, oh, the SEC is, you know, it means more and, and we're this great conference because there's a lot of that, which is just ridiculous that if Alabama wins – as an SC fan, like, you're celebrating that title. No, but no, no. Here's where I disagree with that. So let's say South Carolina and Clemson both have a bad year, 
right? Just for argument, let's let's call it. They're both six and six, just for argument's sake. The South Carolina fan and hers or his friend that's a Clemson fan, they have every right to say our six and six is better than your six and six. We play in the SEC, you play in the ACC. You getting to six and six is not impressive. Us getting to six and six is. We we're alive a little bit. Here. Yeah, like there is brag, there are bragging rights in that spot. Sure, there are bragging rights, but as a guy that played in the ACC at Virginia, I wasn't rooting for Florida State to get in the college oh, football playoff because they won the ACC championship. No, no there, there is no claim to be made that we are on the same level as the SEC when it comes to quality of competition throughout the conference. It's just not. It's just not, and it's reflected not only in the championships they win, but the amount of guys that they get drafted year over year. Yeah, but to Pat's point, though, the old misses of the world and the Mississippi States, they do wear it as a badge of honor. Like, we're at the cool kids' table. We're on the varsity team. Even though we get our teeth kicked in more most But they years. do. They do. They, they're very much is the— But they don't now. That's we, the thing. We're inflated because we are a part of the SEC. But if you look at—okay, so let's look at Ole Miss. They're 11th in the country. They're 10-2. and two. That in another conference is undefeated. Oh, for sure. Right? I, I, like, I'm just using them as an example. Even if they're not in the college football playoff, any other team in the SEC wears being in the SEC as a big badge of honor. As they should. As they should. I have no problem with it. Badge of honor, you're not going to win anything, though. <laughs> okay. I'm glad you – I know you were just throwing it out there, and I understand what you're saying about Ole Miss, but let, I'm actually now going to be specific on that. They have two losses this year. There are two losses against Alabama – and Georgia. Mm-hmm. They beat everyone else on their schedule, including a ranked Tulane team at the time, and they played an SEC schedule. That would indicate that if they were in the ACC or maybe even in the Big Ten, there is a chance that Lane Kiffin's Ole Miss team could have been undefeated, potentially, in that conference, based on what we've seen them do this year. Mm. That is where the bragging comes in of, well, we're in the SEC. I agree with CeCe. That is not to say an Ole Miss fan today should be rooting for Alabama because you're in the SEC. Yeah, That's you can't crazy. you can't hold up Alabama's championships as credibility for Agreed. your own program. That's nuts. You can't do that. All right, we are on Sportsman like here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. So Greeny on Greeny and Get Up yesterday had an interesting take, of course, on After Us, 10 a.m. Eastern Time here on ESPN Radio, about Josh Allen and his place with the Bills in the AFC. Last week, I'm off with COVID, right? I'm not here, and I'm getting texts from people, oh, they're killing Josh Allen on your show over the interception that he threw in the Philadelphia game. Let me say something about him. There were 106 players in uniform for that game. Of them, by far, the one who played the best was Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. We focus more on the one bad play Josh Allen makes every week than the 60 that almost no one else in history possibly could. His team would be so bad if they didn't ask him to do absolutely Absolutely everything. He is the most unfairly judged player in the NFL. And a quick final thought, and I'll give it to you. They're playing the Chiefs this weekend. Yeah. If he had wound up on Kansas City with Andy Reid and those guys, Uh-oh. we'd be talking about him as being one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Okay, interesting stuff from Greeny there. Here's, here's my beef with the comments. How can a guy who's turned the ball over as much as he has, how can we apply him to Kansas City and assume the same success when Patrick Mahomes does what he does? Yeah, 16 turnovers to 33 total touchdowns from Josh Allen this year. Like that, that's, that's where the numbers are, including a streak of eight games with an interception. If he's so talented, if he's the most singular talent in the National Football League, why hasn't it translated to overall team success? It's not as if they haven't had a good roster around him. I mean, you look at the last three years, you're talking about that team being ranked in the top five at offense and defense. 
Now, last time I checked, Josh Allen don't make no tackles. Well, maybe except when he throws interceptions, then he's forced to tackle. But most of the time, Josh Allen don't make no tackles. And you still had a good defense that's supporting him. I just I don't understand this 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 conversation around Josh Allen and excusing away the turnovers when outside of points, the most consequential and material stat that we have in the National Football League is turnovers and turnover margin. It literally makes no sense. I don't get why people want to excuse away the mistakes from Josh Allen when we harp on all of these other quarterbacks protecting the football. Absolutely. That, I think, is the infuriating thing about Josh Allen is because what Greeny said is right. I mean, he makes some unbelievable plays. When you look at the numbers, he is top of the league in so many things, total touchdowns. He's right up there in passing yards, completion percentage. I think he's third in QBR right now. But it's maddening because despite all of the great things that he does, you can set your clock or set your watch to him doing something that's going to put his team at a disadvantage with the turnovers. And unfortunately, you can't tell the story without either one of those things. He's had a top five defense three years running. Three years running. Why do we keep making excuses as to why this guy can't get there? Everybody says, oh, he doesn't have enough help. His team would be awful if he wasn't the quarterback. Well, maybe his team ain't getting to where everybody is projecting them to get to because of him. Maybe maybe this team, if he protected the football more, would get to higher heights. I just don't understand why we keep going down this road with Josh Allen trying to explain away the mistakes when they clearly matter in terms of what the upside of the Buffalo Bills are as a franchise. Do you think he's a top-five quarterback still? No. No. No, well, no. okay. Top five talent, yes. Yeah. The, is he playing like a top five quarterback? No. All right, let me be, let me be no. real clear with something. When everybody says talent, because here's what this means, right? And, and I know you have a Parcellsism to go along with this. Talent just means you haven't done it yet. That's what Parcells used to always say. Mm-hmm. Just means you, talent and potential just means you haven't done it yet. Right, so when you Please. ask that question, Smalls, and CC answers that way, that means I'm looking at a guy that should be a top five quarterback, but I have to add the caveat of talent. And I'll be real clear. Josh Allen is in the conversation every September, October, November, and December because of him. The Buffalo Bills are in that conversation all of those months because of him. And there are times where they fall out of the conversation because of him. Yeah, but here's the problem, though. When you look at the advanced metrics, the analytics, QBR, Josh Allen is right there at the top of the list. Right now, he's third in QBR behind Dak Prescott and Brock Purdy. And to that, I would say, well, Justin Herbert is top five in QBR. Mm. And what has that meant for that team? Nothing in terms of winning. Not a damn thing. Right. And and so, uh, again, I'm not saying it's apples to apples, but I'm just pointing out that the stats – they don't tell you the whole story. They tell you a part of the story, but not the whole story. Like RG3 says, it's like, it's like a bikini. It shows you a lot. Don't show you everything. <laughs> that, 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 those are, those are, that's hey, what the numbers crazy. do. That's what the numbers do. So everybody uses the numbers to defend the turnovers from Josh Allen. And to that, I would say, look at the team's overall record. Flip it. Put Josh Allen on the Chiefs with Andy Reid. Put Patrick Mahomes on the Bills like, like Greeny suggested, right? He, well, he only went one way. I'll go the other way. Are the Bills winning a Super Bowl the last few years? At any point in the last few years, could they have won the Super Bowl if Patrick Mahomes had that team with those weapons and that defense? My answer is absolutely yes. And here's the, here's the, crazy, here's the crazy thing. I'm going to say this. Everybody talks about how great Josh Allen is, how, how awesome he is as a talent. Josh Allen has two more touchdown passes than Pat Mahomes. And Josh Allen has three more interceptions than Pat Mahomes. This year, in a this year that year. Pat Mahomes, everyone's saying the Chiefs' offense Who is, is down. Yeah, exactly. That's my point. Mm-hmm. That is my point. 
Like we want to make, we want to talk about these arguments. Oh, Josh Allen ain't got no help. Josh Allen. I mean, I mean, what are we talking about? I actually think this year has been the most fair year in Josh Allen's career in our assessment of his play. We have all said talent through the roof shows moments of greatness, but we have to be fair and point out the interceptions. You always say, Smalls, play out the the guy and put a star on his helmet as if we were treating him like they're on the Cowboys. An, an analysis and over analysis of that. If he was a Cowboy quarterback and had all these turnovers, oh my God! Well, we've we've held Dak's feet to the fire when right. He's had we the just turnovers. saw that movie last year with yeah. Dak Prescott. I know in the playoffs. And we've think seen about him do it this twice. guy in these uh, the Dallas Cowboys having what CC said is a top five talent in the league, and then having a guy at that position with an eight game streak of interceptions. Are we treating him fairly? The answer is yes. We are treating Josh Allen fairly because we're all saying he is he could be great, but he's not right now. I think that he is great. He just gets in his own way. I still think he's a top five quarterback. Mm, I wouldn't put him. I agree. Top five talent. Coming up, massive trade in Major League Baseball last night. Juan Soto, future Hall of Fame player, is a member of the New York Yankees. Buster only ESPN Baseball Insider will join us next to talk Soto, Otani, and more around the hot stove with the winter meetings. It's on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Wise, the account that helps you manage your money all around the world. Dining in dollars, doing business and bot, wherever life takes you, the Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast. Wise is the easy way to connect all of your finances internationally. Buying that dream property in Portugal? Done. Freelancing in France? No problem. Sending money back to mom? Simple. All without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. Minimum fees, maximum ease, full speed. Join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash unsportsmanlike. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. We are Unsportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance, along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. You hear the music. Busta, what What it is is right right now. Yankees get Juan Soto from the Padres, Buster only, ESPN, MLB insider, host of the Baseball Tonight podcast, joins us here on Unsportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance. Buster, more interesting to you, why Juan Soto is a Yankee or why he is not a Padre? Uh, Why? Well, I guess it's all tied together, right? (laughs) Um, and I, by the way, I was just going to mention, I don't know how you guys are functioning today. I mean, Chris Canty is a large man to begin with. And now the Soto trade goes down. Uh, I'm sure that uh, it, it, there's very little space in there with all of his joy and happiness over his Yankees. 
Oh, ju- uh, just wait, soda. just wait. Yeah, you Buster. may be surprised. Yeah, at a Buster, I, don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical about this one, Buster, just because all of the big swings that Brian Cashman has made in recent years haven't necessarily panned out. So I'm in wait and see mode. But because they did acquire Juan Soto in this trade, what does that mean for not only his long term future in the pinstripes, but for Brian Cashman as well? Well, I mean, let's face it, the Yankees are, are betting a lot on uh, 2024. Aaron Boone's going to be in the last year of his contract. The Yankees, you know, make the big move for Juan Soto for one year because, as I'm sure you guys have discussed, he's a free agent after next season. He's represented by Scott Boris. He's going to test the free agent market. Uh, and they're right in the middle of this bidding for Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who's going to turn out to be the highest paid pitcher, I think, in the history of baseball when his contract is decided. So they're throwing everything into the middle of the pot. I, I say this. I mean, Juan Soto is a future Hall of Famer. He's an incredible hitter. He's had a remarkable start to his career that's really only been done by Ted Williams before him. The one thing I would say, uh, and remember, when he got traded to San Diego, guys, he really struggled for a couple months. And, you know, I talked to guys on that team, and they thought that he was struggling with the adjustment, midseason trade, going to a new team, a new market, feeling the pressure of that to San Diego. <laughs> you know, so what will that adjustment be to New York? I, I think he'll be fine. I think he's going to hit. Uh, you know, he and Judge hitting at the top of the lineup uh, with the increased depth of the Yankees, the Yankees batting order. I think it's going to be a big boost for the Yankees for next year, especially with Soto in a contract year. Uh, and, and does he return? I, I mean, we'll just have to wait and see what the asking price is going to be because uh, you know Scott. I mean, uh, Soto might be happy with the Yankees in 2024, but it's going to come down to the dollars when he becomes a free agent. Buster, thinking about their lineup in 2024 after this move and Alice, after the Alex Verdugo trade, what ends up happening with Giancarlo Stanton? Because it feels like if you're not going to have him DH, you're really not going to have him in the lineup. It doesn't feel like there's a lot of room for him in a now crowded outfield. I think that going into spring training, you know, the Yankees are going to uh, give him every chance and hope that, uh, you know, he, he rebounds. But as this season plays out, uh, it sounds strange to say for, you know, guys owed about $100 million, four oh, years left on his contract, but I think he's going to have to hit for his playing time. Because they have enough depth. Uh, when you look at a projected Yankees line, look, Juan Soto made it very clear. Boris made it very clear to the Padres. He's more comfortable hitting third. So you would assume Aaron Judge is going to hit two. Soto hits three. And then it is, is it a done deal that Stanton starts out hitting fourth? I don't think so. I think they might start the year with him hitting six uh, off of last year's performance. And as the year goes along, look, they would be thrilled. Uh, if he bounced back and, and, and was reestablished as the number four hitter and as dangerous as he's been in the past. But I think he's going to have to earn that. Buster, one more question for you about the Yankees and Juan Soto. With the arrival of Soto, we'll likely see Aaron Judge get more playing time at center field. Are you concerned at all about that, about the potential wear and tear of him being in center more often? No, Michelle, because you know, he's demonstrated that he's very comfortable out there that he can handle it. Uh, you know, it judges a physical freak and he'll be totally fine. And look, their defense with uh, Verdugo and right field, you would assume with Soto and left field with Stanton being the DH, um, you know, I, I think they'll be okay. And, and with Soto's offense that they'll, they'll hit past it. I am curious about, you know, where, what happens with Yamamoto uh, who's got 
you know, the Yankees, the Mets, the Dodgers, the Giants, all these big market teams going after him. It's the perfect storm of bidding for him. A lot of those teams also went on Shohei Otani, Buster. What can you tell us about the Otani sweepstakes? Who do you think has the lead right now? Well, I, I don't know, uh, to be honest. And, and as one general manager said to me during the year, nobody knows what he wants. Anybody who pretends to know what exactly he wants is full of crap. Uh, you know, I'm cleaning up the quote for you guys. Uh, <laughs> you know, the expectation is is that he's gonna he, he's gonna make his decision soon. He's making all these visits, you know, to the Blue Jays, to the you know the Dodgers, uh, to the Giants, maybe to other teams and. You know, we'll see where he lands in the end. I, I thought all along that he's going to wind up with the Dodgers, who absolutely covet him. I had one person in the organization tell me that Andrew Friedman, the head of baseball ops for the Dodgers, is obsessed with getting Otani. And just imagine a front three in their order of Mookie Betts hitting one and Shohei Otani hitting two and Freddie Freeman hitting three. That would be dangerous. That would be awesome to see. Uh, if he winds up with the Blue Jays, then, you know, him and, and Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and George Springer, that would be pretty formidable, too. Buster, did Dave Roberts, the manager of the Dodgers, potentially hurt their cause by speaking about it? If he did, uh, it's one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in sports. <laughs> explain, because <laughs> you, know, explain, you wrote I, a story about this at .com. Explain this. I, I did. I mean, here's Dave Roberts, who's one of the best and most respectful people in the sport, being asked by reporters the other day, have you guys met with Otani? By the way, you know, if a player is a free agent, the teams are free to talk about him under the collective bargaining agreement. Uh, and Dave, you know, says out loud, yeah, we met with Otani. Newsflash, biggest spending team in baseball has interest in the most prominent player in the sport. <laughs> right? He states the obvious. Uh, but at the beginning of this process, Otani's camp was sending out word that if you talk out loud, uh, about Otani's free agency. If you talk about your interest, uh, you know, you're going to be put on double secret probation and you might get demerits, which was met with a lot of eye rolls within front offices. Like, come on, like, let's not take ourselves too seriously here uh, to the degree that, you know, when there was a, a story early on uh, that the Cubs had interest, they were worried, you know, is that mean that they're going to be taken out of it? It's really dumb. This is the, you know, the most prominent player in baseball now. He's an international star. Everybody loves to love him. He's an incredibly unique talent. And that should be celebrated. Like everyone, you know, including Otani, I think, should embrace this. I mean, just imagine the other day when he met with the Toronto Blue Jays. After that, uh, Ross Atkins, the general manager of the Blue Jays, did a Zoom call and he wouldn't acknowledge interest in Otani, wouldn't talk about Otani, and he was sitting, he did the Zoom call in front of a white wall, like he was in a prison someplace. Uh, and you think how different it would be if Otani just did 10 minutes on a Zoom with reporters, said, boy, I met with the Blue Jays. You know, I love the idea of maybe hitting with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and, uh, you know, being at this incredible complex they put together. You know, by the way, you know what? I, I love what the Blue Jays are doing with their charity. I'm going to donate $50,000 to Jays Care. Uh, you know, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to talk to your organization. And, and it would have been positive and it would have been, uh, you know, part of the celebration of Otani. Instead, you have a, a, a great person like Dave Roberts having to uh, you know, wonder if he blew the chance for the Dodgers. It really is silly. Buster, great job as always. I'm sure we'll have you on again as soon as Otani makes his decision. Thank you so much for the Thanks, time. Thanks, Buster. Thanks, Buster. All right, guys. Good luck, Chris.
<laughs> ESPN MLB insider, senior writer, host of the Baseball Tonight podcast, Buster only there joining us and obviously very passionate about the Otani thing. The one add-on I would have is if we're going to argue that Otani is hurting the publicity and the buzz around the sport by not making his free agency big, it's not like his teammate has helped with that. Mike Trout. Trout, Mike Trout is no – nobody knows anything about him other than he likes the weather and the Eagles. Yeah, but Mike Trout has always been locked into the Angels. It's never been close that he's gotten out of Anaheim. But it, it's no, never been close. But that's not good for baseball. No, no exactly. I, I guess it's not. But, I mean, are you? how are you going to incentivize guys to take shorter-term deals when there's so much money to be had? If somebody's going to offer me a $420 million contract – even if it's if it's going to be, I don't care what the terms are. It's four hundred and twenty million fully guaranteed. I don't care about it being a ten year deal. But that's the problem that Major League Baseball runs into because these guys get locked up for their entire careers once they hit free agency. It, it takes away from the opportunity to have that kind of player movement. We are on Sportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio. It's demon time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100 times your money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at Prize Picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and staff types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app go to prizepicks.com morning and use code morning for a first deposit match up to 100 that's prizepicks.com morning code morning for a first deposit match up to 100 prize picks pick more pick less it's that easy for the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. We are unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Yeah, okay, he, he does this because he wears these jackets every day. He's got a million bomber jackets, flight jackets, members-only jackets. However you describe those, yeah. those jackets, he's got a million of those jackets, and he wears it with the hoodie. Yeah. And because he's layered up, he gets hot quickly. Oh, yeah. So he comes into the studio before anybody else uh-huh, does uh-huh. and puts the thermostat on sixty. It's on, freezing in here on everything. I don't touch it. So why does the thermostat say 67 I have when no... I left out of here yesterday it was on 71? Well, I'm glad you asked because there was a tweet that went out from our teammates here at ESPN Radio. You hear him 3P to 7P Eastern with Freddie Coleman, Harry Douglas. Yes. Harry sent out a tweet yesterday, okay, where he said, when I owe, I pay up at Unsports ESPN. That Ooh. is our Twitter handle, okay, and the Dr. Pepper inbox. He then posted a video of him putting money into our bad take jar, which you can see on ESPNU, when something happens and it goes wrong. Now, here's the thing. I don't know that we have a full explanation of what happened, but according to sources close to me, it may have been with the temperature. He has been known to to mess with our, our temperature and then not fix it after the fact. So I ran into one Harry Douglas in the hallway mm-hmm. during a commercial break today. Aha! Uh-huh. 
And he said to me, I paid up. And I said, for what? He goes, because I messed with the thermostat. And I said, you did? I didn't know. So he is the culprit and he's admitted to it. Well, But then, I think, though, because— No, okay, don't put go. this on me. If you knew that and you knew it was messed with, then uh, is it on you to fix the thermostat? But I only knew that as of like 15 minutes ago. Well, did you fix it? No, mm-hmm. I did not. I did not. I was running back in here to uh, to spill Celsius. To spill but, but you, but you knew it was cool in here, and you decided that you weren't going to try to adjust it to help your teammates out. That's well, right. as a fashion icon like I am, with the uh, hoodie and the bomber jackets, I was, you know, I was trying to show off my hoodie bomber jacket combo yeah. package. Yeah, he's the Aaron Rodgers of sports radio. Thank you. First ballot Hall of Famer. There you go. First okay. ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. How, when you open up your closet, is it just one layer of hoodies and then another layer of jackets? Yes. Like, yeah. like I imagine that's how it is. Just two rods. Just you open the door. I have, and, and, they're, and they're color-coded yes, from light to dark. exactly. You know what's amazing? <laughs> I actually have more button-down shirts than I do hoodies or jackets. And I never I don't wear believe, I don't believe them. I'll take a picture. We have been doing them. this show for months. And other than one day when we were doing the, the Jimmy V day. And we called you a car salesman. And you No, like, that's two days then. So there's one, the car salesman day and then there's the Jimmy okay, V day. Okay, so two days, two days. in yeah. what, three months? Yeah. Over three months? Over 100 shows, yeah. Have I never seen you wear a hoodie jacket combo? And you, you don't really repeat. So, I haven't repeated So there's once. no way that you have more button-down shirts than hoodie jacket combos. And if you do, that's alarming. I swear. I'm telling you the truth. Oh I God. absolutely do. I mean, I don't know what you want me to say. I, I, I'm just open. as an add-in, yeah, I haven't repeated. Not one, not one combination. Yeah. No, not just, one. just as an add-in. So not one how one. many hoodies and jackets do you own? I feel like this is a math problem. Yeah. I was told there would be no math when I started this, this show. This is the SATs. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Evan has 10 hoodies, and he's got 10 jackets. How many different combinations can he if make? If he does 100 shows, <laughs> how many combos will we see from I Evan? got a lot, but I'm telling you, I have more button-down shirts. I yeah. promise you that. I really do. Do you I have more I, different combinations than Jets have starting quarterbacks? No, seven over two years. So, yes, actually, yeah. I do. So, it's seven different Jets quarterbacks over the last two years, including Zach Wilson. Well, now, this is interesting. Do you go stints or do you go different quarterbacks? Because this is Zach Wilson's, like, tenth stint, it feels like, point. as a starting a great quarterback. great point. Let's go stints. Well, I, now I don't know because you're gonna you you can do the math on that while, while I, I play this because Robert Sala, head coach of the New York Jets, play played audio. Robert, I'm gonna play the audio. Robert Sala of the New York Jets explained his decision yesterday for why he believes after telling us Zach Wilson doesn't give him the best chance to win, he now does give them the best chance to win. I've always believed he was the best uh, uh, best quarterback in terms of giving us a chance to win. Um, you know, Tim and and uh, Trevor. Uh, trying to spark the offense and all that, and uh, and those two are very talented quarterbacks. Don't get me wrong, but uh, but in in my opinion, uh, Zach gives us the best chance to win. You always thought he would. He gave you guys the best chance to win. For sure. Then why did you? Then why do you manage it? Well, when things aren't going good, obviously we haven't been scoring, um, trying anything to get the offense going, and we've tried everything, and so we're you know we're just settling in now and just see what we can get uh, get done. I'm at a loss because he's at a loss. He's saying things that don't make sense. Yeah. He pl- he pled the fifth a few weeks ago in the Michael K. Show on 98.7 in New York. And-, and when he did that, it made it feel as if it wasn't his decision to explore a different option at quarterback. Because that was the conversation, right? That's the context around it. The Michael K. Show, they were asking him, have you considered another quarterback as an option to be your starter? And he pl- he pleaded the fifth. So it made it seem like, yeah, guys, I've considered it, but I can't speak on it because it's not my decision. And then to now turn around and say, 
yeah, I knew all along that Zach gave us the best chance to, to win, it feels a bit disingenuous. And if you're a player in that locker room, how can you trust anything your head coach is telling you in terms of giving us a chance to win games each and every week from here on out? Also, even if your offense is stagnant, does it sound like a winning formula to remove the starting quarterback that you think gives you the best chance to win from that equation to jumpstart your offense? Patrick Mahomes gives the Chiefs the best chance to win. Their offense has not looked the same. Is the answer to remove Patrick Mahomes as quarterback? Taking away what you deem to be the best option for you as your starting quarterback in an effort to jumpstart the offense, that to me just seems like a bad uh, math equation. That's not going to work out. So he's clearly trying to cover up the fact that Zach Wilson is not the best option. He's just the only option they have right now. Yeah, whatever's happening, they're not communicating the message correctly, in my opinion, because what you just said is dead on. It's like, okay, if this is the guy that gives you the best chance to win, why was he not playing? He didn't give you the best chance to win. I think you just have to simply say, if you're Robert Sala, I am given a roster of players that we are working every single day to coach up. Our starting quarterback that we built a lot around is no longer here. He is injured. We hope he comes back. Zach Wilson is someone we believed in. We've seen signs from Zach Wilson. There were moments he wasn't that good. Zach knows it. I know it. We know it. I tried to provide a spark to the team. Tim Boyle went in. He wasn't that good. He's no longer on our team. We're going to give it another shot. We don't have many choices right now. Our defense is great. We believe our skill position players are great. We need to protect the quarterback better, and we are going to continue trying until we figure something out to at least buy the time until Aaron gets back. Next question. Yeah, but none of that feels believable to the media, to the fan base, but most importantly to the guys in the locker room. But that's true. Because they're, that is they're literally watching what the circus. Well, here, you might say it's true, but then what does that do for the credibility of your head coach? Like, why should I trust anything that you have to say when it comes to us trying to find a way to win any of the games that we have remaining on our schedule. And that's the part where I think the Jets are at a crossroads as an organization because you run the risk with all of the losing of the locker room turning on the head coach. I don't give a damn who is running the organization, whether it's Joe Douglas, Woody Johnson, Rob Sala, Aaron Rodgers. If you lose 10 straight games, then all of a sudden, whoever the authoritarian figure is in that organization, the other guys in the locker room ain't going to listen to them. The re- they're not. The reality is. So that's where the Jets are at. If they think that they're going to run this thing back in 2024, like Damian Woody and others have suggested, after losing, what, five straight already and potentially ten straight if they lose out, there's no chance, no chance that they have of being able to have the type of culture in place that will allow this team to contend for a playoff spot and a championship with Aaron Rodgers. I, I think that the Jets have obviously done a terrible job. I think we all know that. There is only one coach that I think could win with this this circus right now, and that's Mike Tomlin. He's the only coach in the league that has been able to prove that he can win with, quote-unquote, nothing. But Mike Tomlin would have never allowed this to become a circus. No. Never. And that's, and that's where, whether it's Salah, Douglas, Hackett, Rodgers, Wilson, all of those, Woody Johnson, the owner of the team— all of them have contributed to their own demise here. But even when Ben Roethlisberger was the quarterback, Mike Tomlin was the authority figure in that organization. And, and he put was, a lid on some very tricky situations. Absolutely. But there was no question ever, despite all the star power on those Steelers teams, who was in charge. And it was Mike Tomlin. You cannot say the same about the New York Jets. Oh, we know who's in charge. But that's the problem. He's wearing number eight on a sideline. And as as Travis Kelsey said, his game days are Tuesdays with Pat McAfee. Yeah, but number eight is not out there on the field. And number eight is not getting his head beat in like the guys on the defensive side of the ball because the offense can't move the ball. 
So everything that he wants to do and going out and getting his buddies, I don't care if he gave back $35 million. Those roster spots, those dudes ain't helping us do nothing. Alan Lazard has been a nothing burger. This dude was a healthy scratch, and he was a huge free agent side in this offseason. You bought in Randall Cobb. You got Billy Turner. You got all of these dudes, not to mention Nathaniel Hackett, whose offense has scored a grand total of four touchdowns over the last 88 possessions. These are all Rodgers' people, and none of them have contributed to what this team is doing. All of them dudes ain't hurt. It's just Rodgers that's hurt. And so you mean to tell me that we're getting in bed with Aaron Rodgers and all of these people that he said we needed in order to get us where we want to go? Can't none of them contribute to our success as a team this year? That is absolutely unacceptable. And that's why they can't run, they can't stay the course, run this thing back and think that things are going to materially change. All right. Coming up, we're going to get into the NBA in season tournament. It's been a huge success. But what happened to cause it and what's going to happen after it? We will get to that after CC has this from Vivid Seats. Bowl season, basketball, hockey, pro football are all in action. And Vivid Seats has it all for you and your ticket gifting needs this holiday season. See every one-timer, every touchdown, every dunk live and in person with great deals on great seats. Plus, with Vivid Seats rewards, you earn rewards with every purchase. They're here for us fans, offering unbeatable rewards like surprise seat upgrades, free tickets, annual birthday discounts, and more. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Had it come? FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu. is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. We are Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio. Along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. In-season tourney semis in Vegas today. Austin Rivers is here. What's up? ESPN NBA analyst. Unless an NBA team wants to call him in the next five minutes, he's out. I'm, I'm just gone. saying, you're gone. I'm gone. Like that would be great. He's if out all of here, a sudden, gone. and he's already ready for the walk-in too. I mean, you see the suit. Oh yeah, no, I'm you ready see, to go right now. See that's the, the intro. You see that's the suit. Yeah, that's the that's the walk-in. Oh, I know. Right that, I yeah, that thing is that yeah. thing is clean. Well, now <laughs> I'm hoping. Now I'm hoping my team might Can't hide money. Can't hide money. Can't hide it. I want the Heat to call him as a Heat fan because then I have the connection right to another Heat. Why do you always work your teams into the show, man? Say that again. Oh no, he he wants to go there. I know because. There's a lot of Duke connections to the Heat. Man, Nick I'm trying. I'm trying. Am man. I right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So here's the question I have for you. On the in-season tournament, I think everyone has deemed it to be an unbelievable success. It's been awesome. Yeah. But it's a reactionary move that I'm nervous about what happens after the fact. Let me explain. I think the in-season tournament happened because of load management. That they, Adam Silver wanted the, the players to care more. When it's over, are players going to load manage because they played in the in-season tournament? 
Uh, I don't think so. You know, well, that's I hope hope not. You know, that's what you don't want. Um, it has been a huge success. It's promoted competitive atmosphere. You know, within the regular season that we haven't seen in a while. You got guys. LeBron's playing over forty minutes in these in these games. Are you saying after this, might he have a couple games where he has a left ankle soreness? <laughs> maybe, maybe. He's deserved it though. Well, what we, what we don't want to see is young stars doing this. If anything, I think LeBron in year twenty one can afford to take a couple games off. Uh, but uh, what you don't want is this to be a an issue that you see, like you said, after this tournament, where you have young guys now missing continued games, as Zion Williams per se. So uh, hopefully not. Austin, there's been a sentiment about an in-season tournament that this team's competing for this trophy could be a confidence builder and somewhat of a springboard into potentially getting to the playoffs, 100%. going on a deep playoff run. Like we were hearing that about Oklahoma City Thunder. You're hearing that about other young teams that are potentially in the mix, um, particularly the Indiana Pacers. What say you about the potential for something like this to win a trophy in the regular season? What can that do for a team in terms of preparing them for postseason basketball? It reminds me, in, you know, in college when a team wins like a conference tournament, yeah, and it yeah, like yeah. springboards them into the NCAA tournament with a lot of confidence, like the uh-huh. ACC tournament, yeah, 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 like the, yeah, something like that, right? Yeah. You win that, and then you go into the big, the big dance with a lot of confidence. Um, something like this could definitely help bring a young team like the Pacers a lot of confidence. This is a team that. Essentially, doesn't get a lot of TV time. People don't talk about them. They're in mm-hmm. you know Indianapolis, in the middle of the Midwest. Send the Lakers or, or Miami, where they're getting all this attention. A team like this goes and wins the tournament, or New Orleans Pelicans. It does a lot for the team in the city. Yeah. Austin, I wanted to ask you about another team that's getting a lot of attention, newfound attention in the Orlando Magic. They're off to a hot start, fourteen hey. and seven. Are the Magic here to stay? What are you seeing out of them? I do. Um, their biggest strength is they play hard. They outwork people on a night to night basis, um, and. I think it's important to see what the Magic are doing with who they're doing it with. You know, in the past, they've had a couple of years, even in short-term memory, where they've made the playoffs, but they've been eliminated first round. But it's with a lot of older guys, a mix of, you know, random players. They're having success now with guys they drafted. You know I mean? This is mm-hmm. like youth that's performing well. That's the most exciting thing you want to see from any team that's doing a rebuild. This is a team that's rebuilding. Now they have young, talented guys that they've drafted that are performing it's really exciting to see. Shout out to Coach Mosley, too. Hello, Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. We are on Sportsman Life, presented by Progressive Insurance, ESPN Radio, ESPNU, Austin Rivers, ESPN NBA analyst here. CC's a huge Lakers fan. Mm. Um, they've been playing well. Yeah. LeBron's playing a lot of minutes. A lot. Can that continue and they continue to be contenders? Or are they risking potentially him getting, God forbid, hurt? Because they're, they're the most, they're the most relevant <laughs> team in the league. Wood, yeah. They are the most relevant they're team. They're the Cowboys in the of the NBA? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, man, you're 21, 21. F- you know, 30, 35 to 40 minutes a game. It's a lot. <laughs> he did say the other night he's destined to beat Father Time and give, them, give him his first loss. Yeah. I can't put it, a pa- uh, put, put it past LeBron. He has been... I mean, every time we even start to doubt him, it seems like he always ends up proving us wrong. It is a lot of minutes, though. AD has to be, and I don't want to say like MVP or not, but he has to be like a top 10 player for them to have a chance to go somewhere far because it it alleviates a lot of pressure that's on LeBron right now. He's having to close these games. You watch the end of these games, man. Mm -hmm. The ball's in his hands every damn play. Yeah, Every play, he's, he's controlling the game. I think for them to have success... AD can't have these second halves where he shoots like two, three shots. You've seen it multiple yeah. times this year where he goes through these lapses. 
and he's just too good of a player. And I played it. I came in with AD. We were drafted together. And he's one of the most talented players I've ever played with. I'd he, like to see it every yeah. single game you in the playoffs that, rather yeah. than every other game. But yeah. that's just me. Inside out. When he starts inside out and plays bully ball and, and, and goes through people and plays physical, that's the best AD you're going to get. When he relies on the jump shot too much and starts out the game shooting jumpers, those are the games where he can be a little bit more inconsistent. I like him getting a feel around the basket and then working, his, uh, working himself out. That's the best AD you're going to get. Well, the team that bullied AD and the Lakers in the playoffs last year, the Denver Nuggets, they're on their way to winning a championship. They lost last night to the Clippers. They did. And I wanted to ask you, like I know there's been a lot of chatter around the Clippers, especially after they traded for James Harden. Yeah. It's been uneven. But last night, it felt like the best version of this team yeah. that we have seen. How much stock should we put in that win that they had last night over the Denver Nuggets? Definitely some because – you know, I think a lot of people were so quick to write the Clippers off, and it seems like James has just become an easy punching bag. No doubt. For a lot of people, a lot of that just due to maybe the way he's handled things, people don't agree with, whatever, whatever. Um, you know, regardless of which, that dude averaged 20-plus points per game and 12 assists last year, led the league in assists. This guy's no scrub. You know, James is still the real deal. Is he Houston James that I played with? No, but he's still a primetime player. He don't have to be with no, the Clippers No, no, but either. that's a, exactly the point. But he, does he want to be? He don't have a choice, mm-hmm. so it don't even matter. You know, I mean, their best player is Kawhi and Paul George. That's that's the standard. Uh, they've done a great job now, staggering minutes. Russ has been huge in that, in mm-hmm. coming off the bench. Even last game, he's not even finishing the game. I think yesterday he played 15 minutes. You know, no ego with Russ. That's huge. Someone had to sacrifice. He's been that. Do I think this is the team that's going to come out the West? I, I don't think so. Uh, but they are going to be difficult in a seven game series. All four of them. Defensively, they can in a league that don't play a lot of defense, they can give people problems. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm. sure. But you, there was a there was a part of you just now that like kind of started playing out, Austin. That maybe they could be good. I thought that was interesting because like I I I'm not a James Harden guy, and these guys know when that trade happened. I'm like maybe this could possibly be the first time it really does work because yeah. he has to take a backseat. Austin Rivers, ESPN NBA analyst, available for you out there, NBA teams. <laughs> if you're looking for a guard, a scoring guard, combo guard, off the bench, play a little defense, whatever role it is. I'm in shape. I'm, I'm <laughs> He's there. He's there for you. I mean, we want him back on our show. He's awesome. I awesome guess, analyst. I guess we could have him in the NBA as well. Thank you, Austin. We uh, do appreciate you. it. Coming thank up, you. Belichick and Tomlin tonight. Not the usual version of it. We'll get to that next. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.